Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today is part two with the amazing Mary Lynn Wisner. Today she takes us behind the scenes on the casting process and how to book auditions and how she pitches auditions that deserve to be booked. We talk a lot of other fun things, but I don't want to spoil it for you, so let's begin, shall we? mentioned a minute ago like which was really interesting so when you first listen to auditions the first pass of you sifting through you just listen to the first line see if they have it or not and then once you narrow it down you you'll listen to more of the audition so um once you narrowed it down to your maybe 20 selects or so and you're ready to pass it on to the client like how involved are you in pitching those um selects or do you just sort of send it off and let them select or you know, follow their notes. Again, it depends on the agency and it depends on my relationship with that producer. Um, I have some producers that just say, okay, I, I want to hear your top 10 favorites and please, um, you know, put a little star, or indicate your top three favorites. They want my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some that just say, great, thank you. And then they'll call me back with the names. I have some producers that say, okay, you know what? We can't decide between Sean and Joe. So what do you know of them? And obviously, if I know the actor, I can say, well, you know, the great thing about Sean is he's, he's a trained actor. He's really great at improv. He can sound like he's a teenager up to this. You know, as much as I can be an advocate for the actor, I will, um, you know, which has always been extremely helpful for not only me, because that's just part of my job as a casting director, but for the actor especially the ones I know. And then, um, and then they'll say, okay, well then, so you'd probably pick Sean. Yeah, I'd pick Sean, you know? So that, again, it, it really depends on my clients. I'd say the majority of times um, they usually come back with their, their favorites. And then they'll say, what do you think? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, oh, it's a great choice. And trust me, there have been times where I thought, oh my gosh, for sure. Sean's going to book this. He nailed it. And right. then we'll come back with one. I'm really okay. You know, I, I, I'm yeah. sort of surprised, but I would never say that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause you know, knowing a bunch of actors, like I've heard that a lot where they might finally book something with a casting director they've auditioned for dozens of times. And then once they show up, the casting director will say something like, you have no idea how badly I've wanted you to be here, you know? So like, like actors can sometimes forget that it's not the casting director that typically has the final say in who selected it's yeah. the creator, producer. Yeah. The client. I've had that where I just really fought and fought and fought for an actor because I know he would be perfect for it or she would be perfect for it. And they went with someone else or they went with the celebrity or they said, yeah, okay, let's go with him. And they did, you know? So, Again, I, I'm, it just really sort of depends a lot on the job and their, you know, where that producer or that that uh, account exec is mm-hmm. with that campaign. Right. Okay. And I know, like you said, it's a lot of it just depends on the job. It's sort of case by case. But are there any commonalities with like how the process is depending on the type of VO? Like when you're dealing with video games is the process usually one way versus commercials versus, you know, industrials or whatever the case may be. Um, 
the thing with video games, and, and I'll be honest, we haven't cast a ton of video games. You know, we've, we've cast a few over the years. Um, and those, like I said, they usually tend to always do callbacks. So you get, <laughs> you'll get like two or three producers, a couple of the writers, and, and they just all kind of do their thing. Right. Um, and then maybe they'll go, oh, yeah, what do you think, Mary Lynn? And I'll say, well, I know this guy, and you know, whatever. Um, especially what's kind of nice about that is the sidebar is because I, I um, do all these, these workshops, you know, I get to hear actors performing all the time. So I can speak to like, oh, my gosh. And also he does these amazing creature sounds or whatever I might have heard you somebody do. So that's that's a positive. Um, and then with commercials, it's usually a little quicker. And it's usually um, it's funny because even though it is advertising and you're selling something, especially now, everything is so actor focused. So I, I always seem to get lately, um, but he's a good actor, right? You know, the client will say, okay, yeah, we want to pick, say Sean again. We, we want to pick Sean. And I'll say, oh, great. Okay, I'll, I'll confirm him with his agent. And, and, and he's a good actor, right? I, I found that kind of funny. I've gotten that a few times in the last year or so. You know, it's like, of course, you know, I only give you the best. <laughs> so, that's yeah, such, yeah, I love that. My booking ratio is already a hundred percent. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. We got um, you some games. We got you on some commercials. <laughs> yeah, I'm always up against Joe, and I finally got one again. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Dang um, <laughs> so, uh, just to shift it a little bit, I'm curious. Well, I'm, uh, and again, we've touched on like the coaching and, and and the classes and workshops that you hold, which we'll definitely get more into in a second, but. Is the process different when it's a non-union gig versus a union gig? And then, I mean, this is a lot to unpack, but like how much of what you cast these days would you say is union? Obviously, like with commercials, a lot more of it has gone non-union. Yeah. But if you had to put a percentage, what would you say? Gosh, it's sad um, for the union. Um, I would say it's funny. I, I, I've talked about this before where maybe... 10 years ago, what we cast was about 75% union and the other 25% non. I think it's totally flipped now in the commercial side of things, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And um, uh, other things like, you know, we'll do some e-learning casting every once in a while. Most of that's non-union. Video games run both Mm -hmm. when we've done that. We've done some animation. Most of that is all union. Um, narration, most everything we work on is union because I work with like uh, Nat Geo and Discovery things right. when I've worked with them in history. Um, but the commercial side thing, yeah, it's really flipped for sure. Yeah. Well, is the process when you're working on new union versus non-union, like, is it pretty much the same other than there's a different payroll company and, and the rate? Is yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny you said that because the other day I was really focusing on like, hey, it's not as hard to cast non-union anymore. Hmm. It used to be harder to cast non-union because there weren't as many actors that would do non-union or good actors that would do non-union. And, um, you know, it it was more time involved, you know, because you really wanted to, you know, I had to bring in more people and kind of sit through it that way. Right. Um, And and not to say that if somebody's non-union, they're not good. It just, that was just kind of like the thing. But now because the, everything's flipped, more talent are doing non-union. So and more agents are more open to it because they have to be, you know, to keep the doors open and stuff. So yeah. it, it's a little bit easier for sure. Right. 
Uh, well, you mentioned earlier too that when you cast, I mean, you're listening generally to 60 to 80 auditions, which obviously is like is less than than what you'll often hear and that's because you reach out to agencies and say hey give me your five or ten talents that that you think can do this so um is that do you always sort of have that that filter to keep the quality high and, and the audition amount low and like how could a talent sort of get on your periphery to be a part of that list um it's again it's kind of a job for job thing I, I always kind of try to keep it at under 80, but that doesn't always happen because sometimes, you know, there's so many great agents, you know, and yeah. there's so many great talent now. So I, I don't have to really go out any further than LA. I don't have to, if I didn't want to, mm -hmm. but sometimes, like I said, I'll, I'll reach out to students of mine that are across the country and don't have an agent. I have New York agents that I work with an Atlanta agent, you know, Denver. So sometimes I have to remind myself like, oh, I, I haven't talked to so-and-so in New York in a while. I should send him this. So sometimes I sort of feel a little bit of an obligation and that just makes my talent pool wider for that job. I mean, bigger for that job. And that's not me, um, but that's okay. You know, it just gives me more people to choose from. Personally, I just try to keep it under 80 if I can, if it's one just for my own sanity and, and yeah. fairness. But um and also, too, like I said earlier, it depends on their casting budget. If they've got a really low budget, I'm not going to send it all over the world because I just I they're not going to pay for it. So um, or I might just say, hey, give me your three best instead of your 10 best or something like that. Yeah. OK. And um, I, I was going to hop into the your coaching and, and workshops, but. Uh, you mentioned like eventually you might narrow it down to or some client will ask you to just give them your top three. So like when even if it's more than that, 20 selects, whatever the case may be, what sort of factors into which ones you send over? Is it a mix of these ones hit the specs? These ones are kind of a wild card, but I feel like, you know, just to give them variety, like uh, what's your process with that? So that I, I'm kind of known as a casting director that always throws in a wild card I just do I because first place I think it's kind of fun and I sort of feel like that's your job as a casting director is sometimes to maybe just be a little more open-minded so if they if a client says only send us eight I usually end up sending 10 you know mm -hmm. and I'll throw in a couple of ringers there because there's just something that person did or you know it just again it depends on what I get back or if I know the actor and maybe I got their audition and I know they're capable of something different. I'll either shoot that actor an email or call them or call their agent and say, you know, I know I've heard him do this other kind of thing. Could you ask him to send me a, a take really quick doing that? Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like, you know, that's, that is kind of the role of a casting director. Casting director is not just, Hey, I need voices and then collecting them all and then sending them back to client. Right. You know, to me, I, it's a job I take very seriously and I'm very proud of that. I, I want them to come back to me, you know, so I work really hard to find them that voice and then maybe open up their minds a little bit. I've been, I actually have cast campaigns where they were so adamant that they wanted a male voice, had to have a male voice. And I threw a couple ladies in there and the, the woman booked it, you know, or vice versa. So, right. you know, you, you never know, you never know. And, and really good clients of mine that, that, 
you know, are pretty loyal and, and I have a great relationship with, I think I'd like to think that that's what they like about me and, and the way I work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sort of on, on the same note, I know different casting directors will have different methods of like organizing the auditions they get. Like, for example, if, if you hear some great auditions, but you just know they're not right for that role, they might like categorize them and, and have a folder for like, you know, caring mom uh, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Do you have like a system for organizing things for the future? Yes, absolutely. I do that all the time. Um, because again, I think that's what our job is. I think that's part of the job title. And, uh, you, you, sometimes you never know, like, like, again, this, this thing we were working on this week, it was character voices. And there was, there was like this one lady, I thought it was a guy, you know, and I, I like looked again at the, you know, the name on the file and, and the first reads, the first take she did sound like a guy. And then the second or like the third or fourth take she did, she was, you know, definitely more feminine. I'm like, God, I got to remember that. And I, I, I actually have a file that says, you know, dude looks like a lady, you know, like (laughs) I do things like that. Like, just so I remember, you know, like whatever, you know, or like young mom voices or, you know, kids voices that always changes. But um, yeah, again, that's, that's definitely in our database for sure. Interesting. Okay. Um, I wonder what other like invented categories you have. <laughs> I would love you. to see that list. I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned that you uh, sometimes will reach out to talent that you've coached that you know can nail something for auditions. So uh, I should mention or start asking now what, uh, first of all, when did you start teaching and, and sort of having the, the VO pros and workshops and, and coaching? Sure. Um, I actually started coaching shortly after I started at the voice caster, but not as seriously. Like I, I kind of, I, um, there was, a, I, you know, you probably heard of Susan blue. Sue blue was a, um, animation director. She's retired now and stuff. And, um, I used to sometimes sit in her class and like assist her. And then I just, I loved it. I thought this is fun. And I loved teaching and helping. And then I kind of thought, well, I'm not the animation expert. I'll stick with the commercial. And then I just started coaching, like doing a little beginner workshop. And then when I opened up um, Voices Voice Casting, um, I started offering classes that I would teach or that I would have guest instructors come in. And so that was 1990. Um, And then, um, uh, you know, then I had my kids and stuff. So my time was definitely more limited. So I took a break from coaching and I really got back into it, you know, private coaching. Gosh, maybe, you know. I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And then I started um, uh, the VO pros. Well, we used to call it meet the pros and we still call it meet the pros, but the, um, back in, it was like 2008, we started to do it more seriously, 2008, 2009, um, where I would have guest instructors come in and agents. And then we got more gangbusters with it because everybody was asking for it. And there wasn't anything around back then. You know, there was, my ex-husband is a um, on-camera commercial casting director. And in that world, there's tons of classes where they would have guest casting directors and agents and things. And I I remember at the time saying, nobody does that for voiceover. I'm going to do that for voiceover. So that's what started it. So, um, so I would say it was like 2000, 
Maybe that was, I think maybe we started in 2005 and then the serious part of it started 2008 or nine. Yeah, that was it. And that's when we started having um, the VO pros kind of go. And then I've continued to private coach, you know, um, ever since before then too. Wow. That was a long-winded answer. Sorry. (laughs) I I mean, you did a lot. I go back to my my head. You know, I, I think you're a parent, right? To a dog that doesn't. Oh, I, I, I think I'm an uncle. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you have kids, you sometimes you you always like everything is chronological based on how old they were. Like, okay, right. I remember when she was a baby, I was doing that. You know, whatever. So sometimes <laughs> I go back and think, how old was she then? And yeah. it's crazy. Well, <laughs> considering that you've just sort of condensed 30 years of work into like a 30 second answer. You trust me, you did not ramble. Um, okay. You had a lot to cover, but you've done so much. Like you said, you just private coaching, the meet the pros workshops, which by the way, there are a few places that offer classes and workshops and stuff that I mention um, with love often on the podcast and yours is one of them. I have to say shout out to you because I mean, I've been with Vox for almost three years now and it was Largely because I went to a VO Pros workshop with um, Alyssa at the time. Yeah. uh, And then got reached out to that way. That's not to say that you should take these workshops purely to try to get an agent. You know, there's a lot to learn. But, um, but yeah. So, oh, I'm that. that, See, I love that. I love that. Yeah. We, we, um, you know, just, just a little bragging there because, because of my casting background and having been in the business for so long. Um, I'm very fortunate that I have these wonderful relationships with so many agents because I work with them every day and, and, you know, other people in the industry. So when we kind of started doing, you know, Meet the Pros, I would just reach out and say, hey, have you ever thought about doing a class, you know, and doing this? And a lot of them would be, I don't know, I've never taught. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and kind of proud of the fact that I started a lot of people who are now regular coaches or guests at other places on that coaching path or that, you know, guest path. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful for them. It's wonderful for those particular schools. Um, it's wonderful for the talent because, you know, there, there's, you can now get in front of these people. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I appreciate about um, the workshops that you offer is it it's not the same every time. Like, um, like the, the one that I had with Alyssa at Vox was, treated sort of like a callback or an in-person meeting in that it wasn't the whole class there watching you. It was each person one by one would go in for five, 10 minutes, do a couple auditions and then leave. And then you'll have some where it is more that traditional class setting where all the students are there. You're learning from how the other students are directed and stuff. So what is your sort of process with, with how each one is organized? Well, with agent nights, I always did it that way. Always. Because I felt like you know, the whole, for the first place, the whole thing about um, Meet the Pros was it was always a more working pro environment. It wasn't a beginning class. Yes, every once in a while, a, a sort of beginner sneaks in there. But but when it came to meeting an agent, um, I, I my goal was hopefully to maybe, yeah, get you in front of that agent in that concentrated time where it was personal and private and they could connect with you because I know that's what works. So that's why every agent night is set up that way. Now, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we've been doing all of our classes via Zoom, so you can't do that, but still people are getting signed, so that's exciting, but, um, um, and I leave it up to my guests. Um, Agents, I always do it that way, but if I have a guest 
director, I, and we're doing it in person, I always ask them, do you want to do it as a class environment or do you want to do them one at a time? So the ones that you've come to where they, you know, you went in privately one at a time, that was because the guest producer wanted it that way. Got it. Okay. And just out of curiosity, I mean, obviously it's hard to say, but do you have any sort of timeline or, or hope for when you'll have some more in-person clinics or yeah. is it still very much up in the air? Um, we, <laughs> it's so sad. We have two coaches that we had booked. Gosh, it was pre, it was like January, 2020. And then for some reason, like they, because they were busy, we had to postpone them. Then we postponed them to March. And then of course the pandemic hit. Yeah. And so then we postponed them to like, you know, September thinking, oh, it'll be over by September. And these two particular coaches, what they teach and the way they teach and their desire was only to teach in person. They did not want to do Zoom. Right. So now we've moved them. We moved them to May this year. And now we had to move them to October this year. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that um, October we'll be back to doing some in-person things. Um, but I'm still going to do some is Zoom because the wonderful thing about it was um, we were suddenly now available for people that were on the East Coast and wherever. I mean, I've had people calling in from Israel and, hmm. you know, France and things like, you know, at two in the morning just to stay to get into the class. Um, so I want to still make sure that those are available to them if I can. And, um, you know, we're, we do the VO Roadshow, too, and we're going to start that in October and then obviously pick that up at, in 2022 more. But okay. um, yeah, I hope I hope we can all be back to seeing each other. I miss it, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I miss it too. I mean, that's not to say obviously that these Zoom clinics aren't helpful because like you said, one of the huge helps about it is it shaves off like commute times or makes it accessible to people who don't live around here. Right. So I'm, I'm sure you found some talent that you never would have known about, you know, if it was still in person. Absolutely. Um, I, I just passed somebody the other day on something that I only met through these zoom classes, you know, wow. that was cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the VL roadshow. What, um, when did that start and why did you decide to do that? Cause I mean, that's taken you obviously like all over the world, which is really cool. That's been kind of fun. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm obviously having been in the business a long time. I'm, I, I've also some amazing friendships with people in the business and, some of those really good friends are also coaches like Jeff Powell, Tom Pinto, Scott Parkin, um, Sissy Jones, and Bob Bergen. They're all like, we're all just really good friends as well. So we all were one day talking about like, yeah, there's these conventions and we've gone here and we've guested there. Da, da, da. But, and then again, not to be snobby or anything, but you know, there's some people out there coaching that, you know, I'm not sure of their, of their resume, you know, or sure. we all feel, and you know, it's kind of like, God, that's just, that's just not cool. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very, very protective of talent as are those fellow coaches of mine. So we decided, you know, let's, let's do like where we go to them. And instead of like, you go to a big convention, you know, we'll just have like two or three of these coaches come to their city. So it's not huge. I mean, we like, uh, well, obviously we had to cancel every event last year. But um, we started it in 2019, the end of 2018, 2019, when we started in 2019. And we had hit, I think, five or six cities and every city we sold out. Wow. And because we're, we're well-known coaches, and I like to think we're all really good, reputable coaches. 
and people want to work with us. And so that was the evolution of it. And um, so this year we're starting, Jeff and I are going to go do London in October and then Sam, and then we're going to have some coaches in San Francisco and then we'll start up with a bigger schedule in 2022. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just a way of sort of um, bringing a select group of coaches that are, in my opinion, vetted and respected and all that sort of thing to, to you. Something different, something kind of fun. And I like the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, be honest, is there a spot that you picked because you thought it'd be a cool place to vacation while working as well? Like, well, <laughs> are you going to do one in Fiji sometime? <laughs> no, I'm like, well, that's the thing. Like, you can't pick Fiji and you can't yeah. pick, there's certain cities that people aren't, you know, for to make it obviously, you know, uh, beneficial for us, it's got to be in a city where I think there's a pretty good voiceover population. Um, I always, I have always gone to New York once a year to coach, even before I did that just myself. So New York's always like kind of an, uh, I always have an ulterior motive there because I, I love the city and it's just, you know, I like to go once a year. So I always try to make that one work, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's cities that maybe like not necessarily on my list or I wouldn't think of going normally or naturally, but there's a huge voiceover community there that wants us there. So we'll go there. Yeah, I feel the same way about New York, by the way. It's like, it's the one place I've never lived that I feel homesick if if I'm not there. Yeah, like, I, I sort of feel like, I just, I kind of want to try it one, like one year of my life, I you know? know? Yes, me too. And I just try to get the seasons <laughs> and, you know, walk up that brownstone or something that's yeah. very non-Southern California. It's like, try to, <laughs> I've always yeah. said that, yeah. <laughs> I actually just, uh I don't know if you're aware, but like for SNL, they they have these uh, a lottery for tickets every August of every year where you submit and to their email and then you might win tickets and I actually won tickets once that way. So, um, yeah, it's unbelievable experience. So I, I literally today I, I wrote another one and we'll see. Is if that I... the only way you can get tickets is a lottery? If you don't live there, basically, uh... even if you like um, I happened to go to one where Dave Chappelle was hosting and just by chance totally unrelated one of my friends from high school is good friends with him and works with him and stuff and he was saying that even the the guests hardly get any tickets at all that they can give people so it's literally basically the lottery or if you like live there you you camp out for like 24 hours the night before and you get tickets yeah i would have done that when i was younger yeah as many times as i've been there i've never i've never gone to see the live taping of that show that would that would definitely be like a, a you know a bucket list thing for sure yeah. Oh, definitely. I definitely recommend it because even if it's a hit or miss, the it's thing, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it really is live and it's crazy how fast paced everything is. It's oh, mind blowing. Lucky um, you. What a great experience. Yeah. I know. I, you know, if I get it again, I, I mean, I was planning on bringing my wife, but you haven't been. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll sneak you a ticket. I'm sure she'll understand. Okay. Well, we'll Airbnb a brownstone too. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so to bring it back to uh, casting and auditions and and um, how you narrow it down, uh, you mentioned earlier a phrase that I love, which uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, which which is a phrase that I've heard, you know, fellow voice actor Daniel Ross uses a lot. And I think oh, that's where I heard it from. Yeah, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I love it so much. So um, using that phrase of like not being afraid to be the one to stand out, basically, how uh, what are some things you've heard in auditions that made an audition the squeaky wheel that sort of caught your attention? 
I mean, I, everybody knows I'm a huge fan of improv and ad-libbing and the lead-in, a good lead-in. Um, so that's always a, a very loud squeaky wheel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you don't mind like somebody recording a lead-in before the line as part of Absolutely your Absolutely not. I mean, if it makes sense, sure. you know, and of course, it's much more acceptable on a real person read or one of those very wry, dry, snarky reads. Um, sometimes I hear people do it and it's because they thought they're supposed to do it and it, it doesn't connect right. And it just gets gratuitous. Right. It's like, oh, that didn't work, pal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you, you got to have confidence in it and it has to make sense to your to your performance and, and you know what you're speaking at. So I would say that's always a big one for me. It's, it's like kind of, you know, think about the casting director. Think about who's listening to all those auditions. It's monotonous. It's tedious, you know, and when everybody sort of sounds the same and then all of a sudden somebody, maybe it's just the way they have a, a different kind of uh, phrasing, like the inflections in their voice or their intonations are different. Um, obviously, de- definite like voice prints are interesting, you know, like if somebody has some raspiness, things like that. But it's, it, to me, it's authenticity. It's, it's you know, if your um, ad libs are authentic and genuine and the, the way you're approaching the copy as if it's a moment in your life, you know, ultimately that's what gets through to me. I'm, I'm the board jaded casting director that's been doing this a long time. I've heard everything. Yeah. So I want to I want to kind of be moved, you know. Because I know if I'm moved, that ad agency guy's going to be moved because they've been sitting on that copy way longer than any of us have. Right. They're sick of me, you know. So it's think about think of those things when you're auditioning. Is how am I going to make that sound different to that producer and that copywriter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, in a way that makes sense for the character or for the audition. I think that's Absolutely. the big the big difference maker in improv is like when, like you said, you can tell if something's gratuitous or put there specifically f- for the actor to say, Hey, look at me, you know, versus it actually being authentic, like something their character would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, and that's what, you know, actors say to me, Oh no, I was told don't, I don't ad lib, don't do this. And, you know, I, I, my 30 years of casting, I have never ever had an ad agency producer come back to me and say, I can't believe you let them ad lib. How dare they? They just don't say that. You know, they want to hear what you're doing with their copy. Yes, they have their guidelines, which are the specs, and they have their, you know, their thoughts. But the whole role of an audition, the purpose of an audition is you putting your stamp on it, what you're bringing to it. You know, there's a reason, you know, Sean does what he does with his voice or the way he thinks about something versus what Joe does with his voice, you know dang that joke you know <laughs> there's that joke again so it's it's kind of like you know that's what i want to hear is how you're going to make it different don't, and i always tell voice actors you know don't do the voice you think you're supposed to do just do you well there's the mic drop moment and by the way you just you know i i might have to include a an ad exec category in my casting folders and put you in it because that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that voice was spot on and we'll have a joe category That wraps up my chat with Mary Lynn Wisner. I could have chatted with her for infinity minutes. She's got so much to teach, like tip number one. In commercials, it's more important than ever to be a good actor. The most common question Mary Lynn is asked by ad agencies when she's casting is if the talent is a good actor. You're not just selling a product, you're living the life of someone who believes in the product. Two, 
While you want to honor your specs, if you read the copy and your instincts are different from the specs, don't be afraid to commit to your instincts. Mary Lynn is known to include wild cards along with actors that hit the specs in her selects in order to give the client a variety of choices, and sometimes they get booked. Three. If it makes sense for your character, use ad-libs and also lead-ins, especially for real person or dry humor reads, as long as they make sense for your character. Some actors are discouraged to improv, but as Mary Lynn says, the whole point of an audition is to put your unique stamp on a character. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.